Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene Steinkamp. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Hi, it's Lori. I'm so glad you're here with us for another episode. In today's episode, we're going to talk about a topic that might feel like you're getting your toes stepped on, but we really feel it's an important topic to talk about, and that's purity in your life while you're praying and standing for your marriage to be restored. I hope that this conversation that we have today will be something that doesn't discourage you, but instead encourages you to continue to stand and to pray for your mate, but doing it God's way through purity. Today, we're going to sit down with Deanne, who's one of our staff members and our prayer warriors, and myself and my mom, Charlene, and we're going to talk about purity while standing. So enjoy this message. Well, Deanne, thanks for joining us today, and we're excited that we're going to sit together and talk about this important topic that both of you have lived through. Both of you were at one point standing for marriage restoration, and we're excited that um, you're both going to be here to talk through how people can remain pure while they're standing for their marriages. Let's build a foundation on what purity is and what it means when you're standing for marriage restoration. And specifically, what does that look like? When we say we're trying to be pure while we're standing for restoration, what does the Bible say about purity? What does the Bible say about sexual immorality? And how can we live in this season of waiting God's way? So do you want to share some scriptures with us that kind of define that? Yes, I would love to. And I'll share one that is powerful, and then I'll read a couple of others. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 to 20 says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And that's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Looking at that scripture, it's clear that we're to flee sexual immorality. And Deanne, I know that you talk to a lot of the people that um, contact us. And sometimes that's a struggle for people, would you say? Yes, Lori, Absolutely. Uh, Many do share that uh, being alone, not having their spouse, not having a companion, not having affection, you know, physical love, it it is a big challenge and they don't really know how to handle it or what to do other than I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, you know, alone and, and I just have to, to deal with it, but they're not really overcoming or being victorious with it. Right. Now tell us a little bit about when you were walking through standing for your marriage and how many years it was and kind of like what you were going through at that time, because you can identify with what people are facing. Yes, I can. Um, My story, as many know, is a little different. I was standing for 12 years, but I wasn't um, standing for my husband per se. I was just asking the Lord for a husband, because I did not understand covenant. I did not understand restoration. But with God's grace and mercy, 
uh, I was just saying, Lord, I only want your will. I don't want to be out of your will. He rescued me out of suicide, depression, um, you know, my, my history. So what I learned as I went along was that I wanted to do, I wanted to honor God. I wanted to obey God. I had a fear of the Lord and it wasn't easy. I did for 12 years being with no man. I did desire to have that love and companionship. I did, you know, we have a flesh to, to burn, burn and buffet and put under submission as Paul says. So I found that I had to keep my eyes fixed on the Lord and know that whatever I was doing, he was right there with me. Um, that, you know, Colossians 3.17 says, you know, in all that you do, you do it in the name of the Lord. And I, I wanted to honor God. I didn't want to sin against God because there were a couple of times uh, after I had broken it off with um, my prodigal affair uh, and came in, came back with the Lord. Um, there were a couple of times that I did, uh, which I knew was wrong. I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me don't do it, but I had gone to get a bite to eat with that person. And you know, you end up having that physical touch or having a kiss. And it was so convicting the Lord. And I just said, no, 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 it's not worth it. I feel like I'm spitting in God's face. I feel like I'm slapping God in the face after him rescuing me from death. All how good he's been to me, all he's done for me. I can't do this. So it was really just that really passionate desire to honor God to obey God and to walk with him in purity, in holiness, in righteousness, and just um, not think about the desires of my flesh. I think what you're saying, Deanne, right now is you submitted to God. You surrendered your heart and life to the Lord. And I think that is one of the keys for what we have to do when we're standing in faith for our spouse to come to their senses and come home is that we are doing this as unto the Lord and that he is going to empower you, I, and all of the men and women that they can say no to the flesh and not be tempted. You, you may have the temptation of the thought, but we can take captive every one of those thoughts and make it obedient to Christ. One of the scriptures I love also is James chapter four, verses seven through eight. It says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And that's just what you were talking about. You were talking about submitting yourself to God and saying no to the temptations of the devil, what he was trying to do, and he will flee from you. And then you came near to God, and, and that's what we've got to understand, that if we will be obedient to the Lord's will and way, he will come close to us, and he will purify your heart, and he will remove that double-mindedness if we keep surrendering to him. I'm going to share right now from Adrienne and what she had to say, but the common theme, we reached out to um, many of our friends who have restored marriages and said, how did you deal with this when you were standing for your restoration? And how did you um, have victory or how did you overcome temptation or what did you do when you did fall? And Adrian shared um, much like everybody else shared, and you'll hear it today over and over. We can't be victorious in 
these areas of our life if we're not walking with the Lord. And he's the only way we're going to have the strength to be able to withstand the temptation that comes our way. Um, Deanne, you can probably identify in your life and those of you listening that when you're walking away from the Lord, when you are not in time of prayer with him, you're not in the word, then you can start to see yourself falling towards temptations. Would you say that's true? 100%. Yeah. I found that I did. I did have to feed my spirit, the word of God. And it wasn't just a little devotion in the morning with, for me to come out of that prodigal lifestyle I had to saturate my life with the word of God. It was in going in my ears continuously. I had the the word of God. I had teachings in the car. I had the Christian TV on at home. I'd have the Christian music on. I, during my time of 12 years, I had to, I knew what sparked me and what would, um, you know, tempt me. I I knew my weaknesses. I, I believe the Lord showed me my weaknesses that I couldn't listen to secular music because when I did, it would, it would stir up those feelings of, you know, wanting love and affection. I, I, and I love music. I had to stop listening to secular music. I only listened to Christian music to feed my spirit. And I was just always talking to the Lord and, you know, throughout the day, it's just, that's what praying continuously means that constant fellowship with the Lord, whether you're at work, whether you're, you know, in the grocery store, wherever you are, I was, I had to look to the Lord and I learned the scripture. My maker is my husband. So I had to look to the Lord and know that I was, that he was my husband, that he was going to meet my needs. And there, and two, that, you know, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and that I don't want to defile it. I want my body, whatever I do to my body, I'm doing it to the Holy Spirit. And that was a very um, big truth for me that helped me. Right. Let me share what Adrian said. She said, during my stand, the one thing that helped me be successful and to stay pure was knowing that my actions could cause another person to commit sin. Knowing that I knew the word of God, particularly around marriage, and if I entertained someone who didn't, then I felt I was responsible for that person sending with me, like it would be blood on my hands. And I would have to answer for that because I knew better. I knew that if I got involved with another person, it was not in favor of God's word. And the scripture led me to this thought process. And she's saying exactly what, what you're sharing, that because she knew what the word said, she was able to use God's word to combat those temptations. And Deanne, I love that scripture that you said that your maker is your husband. It's Isaiah 54, uh, verse five. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. And that is so powerful. And I know I believe my maker uh, was my husband for my, when Bob was gone. But I even know more now that as I'm widowed, that he is my husband for this uh, time of my life. And, and what a comfort. And talking uh, continuously uh, with the Lord, as you mentioned, Deanne, I think is so important. God is not just a person to talk to once a day. It is like you can talk to him and ask questions and have conversations with him. The Holy Spirit is living in us and we can ask anything while you work or whatever you're doing. If you have a question, he will give you wisdom and knowledge beyond what we can even begin to imagine. And uh, that's the way I've done it. Uh, When I was standing, 
And I definitely do it now as I'm widowed. I think um, something important also for people to think about is when you're standing for marriage restoration, you're saying that your desire is to have your spouse back. Your desire is for marriage. So if you're entering into a dating relationship with another person, or even if you're entering into an unhealthy relationship, meaning you're meeting somebody of the opposite sex for coffee, that's dating, you know, that you might not want to call it dating, but if you're connecting with a person of the opposite sex, one-on-one, socially confiding in them, things like that, you're basically dating. And if you're standing for marriage restoration, why are you dating? Why are you entertaining that thought? Um, Jonathan Pecluda wrote a book called Outdated, and we recommend it a lot to people who are um, single, not standing for marriage restoration, but single people um, or engaged couples, because it talks about how to have a healthy marriage through dating. And he says um, that dating is the job interview for marriage. So if you're not looking for marriage, why are you dating someone? And as a person who has said you're standing for marriage restoration, I would assume that you're not looking for marriage from another person. You've said you want to stand for marriage restoration. So um, I think you have to first define in your own mind where you're at with your stand and, and just reaffirm. And then we talk a lot about boundaries and set up some of those boundaries um, in your own personal life. So Deanne, did you have boundaries when you were going through that phase that you saw, you know, I needed to avoid these things, or maybe this wouldn't be a healthy environment. What were some of those for you? 100% because that's how I fell into temptation was uh, a person at work that would come and sit at my desk of the opposite sex. And we started talking and then, you know, developing a friendship. And that's, so I, I was, I was aware of the devil schemes <laughs> yeah. and I knew that I had to set those boundaries. I did not allow myself to be alone with the opposite sex, even friends at church, people I did ministry with. I, I knew that it was safe to have multiple people around, stay in groups. I knew that I couldn't casually go have a bite to eat or, uh, or even call and have conversations on the phone. So I knew that. I knew that I had to have sisters in Christ, that I had to confide in women. I had to, because I knew my weakness. My weakness was I always felt like I had to have a man. I had to have a man in my life. And it was a whole new world of me learning to live a life uh, uh, alone uh, with just the Lord and I with no physical person, you know, in my life. And, you know, during those times when my kids would be with their dad or off with their friends, and I'd be, you know, home alone or whatever. I would be crying out to the Lord, Lord, I'm lonely. I, I, I need love. I need affection. I need a hug. And God in his supernatural goodness, I would just feel his, his peace, his love, his, his presence with me. And it was like a, it was like a supernatural hug from God. It was like, he would fill me up with his love and just satisfy me at that time that I, I wouldn't think about what was, you know, what those desires of the flesh were at that moment. I think that's so huge because you're, you get to a point where it's not consuming every thought and every day. And it's not, sometimes people will say, I cannot imagine 
you know, never being intimate with somebody again, or I can never imagine that I'm never going to be able to kiss my husband or my wife again. And you'll get to a point where that's not what's on the forefront of your mind, that God has, has changed your thinking where he is satisfying those needs you have. You're feeling um, loved and comforted by him and that it's not the burning desire and you will get there, but you have to ask God to help redeem that in you. Do you want to read what um, Tom shared? Because I think what Tom shared goes along with what Dean was saying just now. I agree. It's awesome. Tom wrote us and said, for me, staying pure while I stood and waiting for God to restore my marriage was done out of obedience. I hated the devil with a passion in those days. The last thing I wanted to do was to allow him to tempt and lead me astray. Practically speaking, these were some things I did that helped me in the purity department. I stopped using social media. This was a cause for problems during my marriage. I never met with anyone of the opposite sex alone. I deleted the names and numbers of any female contacts from my phone that could have the potential to lead me astray. I stopped paying for cable television as I didn't desire to have unwholesome content coming into my home. I had an associate pastor at my church serve as the administration for my Christian web filtering account, Covenant Eyes. This service tracked my internet activity. I purposed to spend my free time reading, praying, and serving at my church, not giving the devil time to tempt me. Finally, as I was committing myself to Christ, I was constantly mindful of Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Wow, that is an awesome scripture, dear Sander. Galatians 5, 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires which is what we're just talking about so perfectly. Right. Tom did what you did. He set up boundaries. He had plans in place to avoid the things that he knew would be tempting. And I think you have to be proactive going into this. You have to know the things that will bother you. He mentioned social media, that he got off social media. And society wants us to think that we deserve love. We deserve all of these unwholesome things that don't line up with God's word. And so if we have to remove those things from our life in this season to be able to be victorious in this, I think that's something that will help you. Another scripture that's wonderful and speaks to this also is Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? And we have to understand that our hearts and our flesh are deceitful. They desire things that don't line up with God. And that's why we have to do what Deanne's talking about and seek the Lord and what he's saying and the things that he desires from us. I, according to Romans 12, 1, I knew that I had to present my body as a living sacrifice to the Lord that my body was not my own, that I had been purchased, you know, with the price, with the blood of Jesus. And this is why reading the word and meditating on the word is so critical, because when you learn these truths, the truth sets you free. So then your heart is transformed. Your heart becomes a heart of 
hunger and passion and desire just to honor the Lord. And people would say to me, oh, why aren't you dating? And why, you know, you're this, you're that. And I'd say, no, I only want God's will. And I only want to be, I just want to obey God. And I only want God's will. And I had two teenagers during that time. I, I was with no man from age 35 to 48. So you can't tell me about the prime of life. <laughs> I, I knew during that prime of life how difficult it was to have no husband. And, but I had two teenagers. So I knew, like Adrian said, I knew that I had to be a good example to my children. And I had to teach them the godly ways. And I had to uh, teach them about purity and keeping distance and being in groups and not putting yourself in a position ever to, to compromise um, because you can't trust the flesh. Right. You cannot trust the flesh. It's not, it's, it's like Paul said, in, in our flesh is no good thing. So we can't trust the flesh. We, and we can't go according to our emotions and our thoughts. Those are going to come, but that's where we have to be led by the spirit. And we have to know the word of God so that we can be a doer of the word and obey and obey God. Like I said, fear the Lord and obey God. You can go on a date and go out with somebody and it can, you have plans that not to be only social and it can be twisted and turned instantly, quickly by the devil himself. And unless you have a strong um, value and strong belief system that we're trying to teach you all that we have to memorize the scriptures and we have to know that that devil is right around the corner to tempt us to fall because he wants us to feel the guilt and the shame and feel we're not worthy to have the relationship with the Lord. So I think we have to be careful because it'll be such an innocent uh, meeting, dinner, whatever. And it can be so quickly uh, the devil's tricks of ways of taking us down the wrong path. Even just confiding in a person of the opposite sex, just, um, you know, opening up to them and having that be your confidant or Amen. anything like that, so that can lead to unhealthy relationships. I mean, I guess the word is when you're standing for marriage restoration, you live married. That is the, that's the secret I had always is live married. Yeah. If we can think what, you know, imagine where if you were out on a date and imagine if your spouse or a family member of your family or your husband or wife's family member would come in to where you're at, how embarrassed or how concerned you would be of thinking, wow, I'm wondering what they're thinking. And we have to live, live Christ-like each and every moment and live married, living married even that's why we, I wear rings now. That's why I wore rings when Bob was gone. It says unavailable. Yeah. It let says me, unavailable. Let me read another testimony that we received from someone and she didn't want us to share her name, but she's in a restored marriage as well. And she shares, this is such a relevant issue. And it was definitely something that I had to protect and was tempted in occasionally while I was waiting for marriage restoration. Wearing my wedding rings was a good start for me along with making conscious choice to not have wandering eyes. And that's what we've been talking about. I felt like I owed it to my husband and the Lord to show both of them that I was serious and committed to this covenant of marriage, even though no one except God was really watching my eyes because there was even temptation at church. I had to be mindful of this. 
I switched churches during my stand because I had to move six hours south. So I had to find a new church. I was scared because I was moving. I sensed a strong spirit of lust. There were many beautiful people and high divorce rates and infidelity in this county. Instead of rushing into church shopping, I waited and prayed for some time. I prayed that the Lord would bring me to a church that would be best for marriage restoration, where I could focus and grow in my relationship with him and not be distracted by other men. I prayed that he would block me from any church that would not be best. And he did just that. The first and only church I ended up going to was where we were eventually restored. There actually were not a lot of men my age and many older brothers and men in Christ watched out for me from afar. God was so faithful in that season because I spent a lot of time at that church. Staying pure on a physical level is possible, but it's not without a fight. Physical touch is one of my top love languages, so it can be tricky. And that might be many of you saying the same thing. Having times with our little doggies really helped me because they were so affectionate. I would cuddle with them and other times when I longed for physical touch, I prayed and I gave my honest physical desires to the Lord, asking him to help me. It's what Dan was just saying. And it may sound weird sometimes, but I had dreams where I would share a sweet embrace with my spouse and I would wake up the next morning feeling like I got that hug or kiss that I longed for. I'll never forget. I was alone one night and temptation was so strong. I had to flee like Paul talks about in the Bible. I grabbed my purse. I left my apartment. I ended up going to the movie theater by myself to see a case for Christ that had just come out in theaters. It was just enough to get me away and back in the right state of mind. There were a few times that I had to reach out for accountability and other times I had to guard my thoughts, taking more serious measures like deleting my social media accounts. Second time we've heard that today. God was faithful in protecting me, basking in his word and in prayer and being part of a Bible teaching church where victorious weapons and fighting off temptation. The same thing yes. we keep hearing, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Definitely what I had to guard what I looked at, you know, what yeah. I watched on TV. I had to guard what I was listening to, as I said, the secular music. But um, even, you know, even knowing that, especially as women, I think we we long for more intimacy and more, we talk more, we like more interaction, more, more affection. I, I think just as a kind of a baseline, you know, with than men do. And I had to look to the Lord as for that intimacy, you know, that talking to the Lord that, you know, having conversation with the Lord, um, just knowing that he was right there with me, that I was not alone and that I could always, always look to him. And I did what that person said. I would literally say, God, burn, just take away this desire, take away any desire for, for sexual relations, for physical affection, just take it away so that I won't even think about it. You know, we can ask God for anything. And he did that. I mean, there's no way I could have gone 12 years in that age of my life um, and not fall into sin uh, other than God's grace kept me and held me. And he satisfied me. He satisfied me and filled me up and he just held me safe in the palm of his hand. And, and I knew too, I couldn't sit home and be alone too much. I had to make plans to go out with girlfriends and go get a cup of coffee, go shopping, you know, go to family's house. I mean, I had to keep my schedule busy with work and church and my children, family, socializing with women, um, Christian friends, 
um, it's it's good. It's good. We need that fellowship and we need to be able to talk to other women about that as well. Uh, not just keeping it inward and feeling ashamed or guilty that we have those desires or we or we feel like, oh, what's wrong with me? I shouldn't be thinking this. I mean, there were two different over the 12 year period. There were two different Christian men at the church that I was drawn to. And, you you know, the enemy will start rationalizing that, oh, these are Christian men. They're godly men. And how many times do we hear a man or a woman that I'm talking or praying with say, uh, well, my spouse left me for a Christian woman or a Christian man, and they believe God brought them together. The devil comes as an angel of light, an imposter, an impersonator, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And thankfully, when I was attracted to those two people over the span of years, um, I would just immediately, immediately pray and give it to the Lord and say, God, you know, take this from me. And and he and he did. He would put sever us he would put walls between us and he would just remove us from having interaction or you know connection or conversation even being in the same church yeah just like our friend just said it's you would think i'm at church i'm safe but you really have to be on guard everywhere another good scripture first john 2:16 says for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world so we can't trust again we can't trust those thoughts those emotions those carnal desires that we have that is where we have to turn that over to the lord and we have to say lord protect me just protect me. That was my greatest, greatest desire above all was to honor God. I wanted with all my heart. And that's where we have to keep our hearts pure and clean and hungering for righteousness because I was just like, God, protect me. I want to give you my whole heart. I remember singing all those songs during those years. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. And that's what I wanted. I, I did not want to fall into the trap of the enemy again. I didn't want to go into that same um, that uh, on that same wide road of destruction. And, you know, especially if you're the stander and you've seen your spouse do that, you definitely don't want to do what they do. You don't want to fall into the, you know, the, the deception and the captivity of the enemy. So um, this is, you know, as I talk and, and pray and share with the precious standers on the phone, I just say you, you, you doesn't matter what it looks like they're doing. If they're having fun, they're tra traveling they're It doesn't matter. They're accountable to God. It's, if it's sin, it's sin, period. And God, happiness will lead to hell, right? Holiness leads to heaven. Ha happiness can lead to hell because if it's not of God, if it's contrary to God's word, God's instruction, we want no part of it. Right. You know, Bob used to say, you think I'm having a lot more fun and happiness than I really was having because when I laid my head on the pillow, I had such guilt and shame. But I picked up and, and, and I would repent. And then I'd start the next day right back into the same tricks and trap that he was in till he finally fled and, and came down suddenly, quickly, knowing that the Holy Spirit was so uh, convicting him. And I think you need to understand 
um, that and, and pray for the Lord uh, to convict you of doing anything wrong, but convict your husband and wife regularly that they will feel the Holy Spirit conviction to turn from their sinful lifestyle, uh, not only for um, themselves and uh, not for you, but if you have children, you want your husband and wife to be a godly example for the children that are growing up. And there are little ones to middle uh, teenage years. And now we have many children that are young adults and they have had a choice to choose from. Live like the mom or dad that were unfaithful or choose to live a Christ-like life like the other standing parent. And uh, we're a witness. I think you may never understand how much you are a walking witness for the Lord wherever you go, even at work or at play or at church. You are a living example wherever you go, even in a grocery store, to how you act. We need to wear the love of Jesus in our hearts and radiate it to others well, that don't have it. Right. And if you're telling people at work, I'm praying for the restoration of my marriage, but Friday night, I've got a date with somebody I met online. That's kind of a contradiction. And so you're not only causing harm to yourself, but you could be causing harm to people who don't even know the Lord because you are putting this in front of them. David's another one that shared with us that his wedding band was the thing that kept people away because he wore it the entire time through his stand. And he would know and pray that people on the hunt, he put in quotation marks, may catch a glimpse of the ring and turn away a tempting situation. And he also mentioned a good topic um, is to avoid having confidential conversations with people of the opposite sex. And we talked about that a little bit already. But he says, find a same-sex friend that you can pour into and don't exploit a weakness by trying to confide in someone of the opposite sex. And that's a great tip to hear again. Uh, so easy, Lori. If you work at work and you have men and women that, as Deanne said, will come and sit at your desk and start talking, all of a sudden when you start talking and have fun and laugh and joke about different things, you get a friendship that is it's stronger and all of a sudden your mind or the devil will start to have you uh, imagine different things. Well, you appreciate the um, you, people just want to be appreciated. They want to feel like someone wants to hear right. what I have to say. They want right. to feel that somebody thinks I'm funny or that I'm smart. And when your spouse is gone, sometimes you're in a very big season of isolation. And so that little inkling of somebody just being friendly and maybe they don't even realize that they're putting that off or that you're interpreting it that way. They're just, you know, asking what your plans are for the weekend because they're trying to make conversation and you could be misinterpreting that. So, and the devil takes those things and twists them. Well said. Let me tell you about somebody that failed in this area and was willing to share it. There's, there's people that failed. Deanne admitted it, that she struggled with this and failed in, in this area. Um, we've heard from people who have, um, said that they are, they were the prodigal and now they're the person standing for their marriage because their spouse gave up and, you know, fell in love with another person and went off with another person. And 
So there's people that struggle with it and it just delays God's timing of what's happening. It causes delays. Um, Lou shared with us, and if you've been around for any period of time, you know, Lou's and Fabian's testimony, and we'll add a link to it, as well as Deanne's full testimony, we'll link to that. But Lou shared that um, Fabian was away for 13 years. And when he came back, because he went to another country in the midst of her, um, their separation apart, she was married to another person because she was standing for her marriage, but she grew frustrated and she gave up. Then she divorced this other person and they communicated over about a year and a half period where every once in a while he would reach out to her. But most of the time when he was reaching out to her, he was confirming that he was never coming back because he was going to marry somebody else. And she said that she lost it. She went into a bad depression and she accepted a courtship relationship and within a month had married another person. She just needed to feel that love. And in her mind, she said that I needed to legalize my sin. And she said, all I can tell you is the periods of time I remained pure were, was when my walk with the Lord was strong. And that's what we said in the beginning of this, that when you're walking with the Lord, that's when you're going to be able to resist the temptation. Luz will tell you that her impatience delayed her restoration because she gave up on waiting on God and went into these other relationships. And when you're walking with the Lord, that's when you can see success in this area. Amen. Amen. Deanne, what about the way you dressed? Did that change when you were standing for restoration or did you dress the same way you dressed for your husband while you were waiting? No, when I came back into the, into relationship with the Lord and he started teaching me and training me, I knew that I had to even dress to honor the Lord, and I did not want to draw attention to myself. I didn't want men to look at me and lust after me or be attracted to me. So I, I did. Uh, holiness, you know, it starts, it's from the inside out, but it's on the outside. And two, I wanted to be an example to not only my children, but all the other children and teenagers at the church and even the single people. So I found that I was dressing much more modestly, clothes that weren't so clingy, clothes that weren't tight, clothes that didn't show the, all of the, the shape. And, the, <laughs> you know, I just really found that I, I, I'm married to the Lord until he brings my husband back. I am married to God and I want to act married, dress married. It's really about, um, you know, the righteousness of God. We want to be the righteousness of God. And we want to uh, represent his kingdom and we want to be ambassadors for Christ. We want to reflect Christ. And we, as, as Charlene said, we are, we are to do that everywhere we go. So wherever we are, we are to be the light, the salt, the witness, the ambassador and the reflection of God and his kingdom. So it, it was not only what I put in my body, what I listened to, what I looked at, but also what I wore externally. I think that was very important as well. And God knows the motives of our heart. And so it's not that a shirt is sinful, but if our motive is that we want to get attention because of a type of shirt we're wearing or because of this, and we know God knows what our motives are, you know, when we're getting dressed and thinking, well, maybe I'll get that compliment from that, you know, man at church or that my boss at work will, you know, like how short my skirt is or something. The motives, God knows what those are. One more thing I just I just thought about, Lori, even 
in hugging or greeting a man at church, if you smell their cologne, believe it or not, it can trigger. Yeah. It can be a trigger. And I had to find that I really, I did not physically, I stopped physically getting close to any of the men at church. You know, I would, I would just say hi and, and, you know, shoulder to shoulder, maybe I did not let myself get anywhere close to them because I didn't even want that trigger. And I found that I even stopped wearing perfume myself a lot because even that, you know, smells or can be a trigger. Um, and I don't want to sound like I'm a holy roller, <laughs> but it's just everyone knows their trigger. Yeah. Everyone knows their temptation, their weakness, their faults, maybe what what, you know, they've had they've been faced with in the past. So this is where we have to rise above and we have to make the right choices and use wisdom and ask God to give us that grace um, that we need day by day. And I think that. um if you feel like you failed in this area, if you feel like you, you know, you may be listening to this and you might be in a relationship with another person um, that you know is not the relationship God would have for you. You might have a friendship that you're thinking of that, you know, you need to cut off. And I just want to give you encouragement today. Second um, Corinthians five, 17 through 18 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And God can redeem our past. Now, obviously, when if you have been intimate with another person, there's baggage and things that you need to deal with going forward. And those things are going to um, play a role in your marriage. They're going to play a role when you're reconciled with your spouse, but God can redeem that. And it's important to just know that you've not gone too far. You can turn back from your sin. And I want to um, just share out of that book that I shared about outdated. He gives great advice for how to break up with a person. And if you have somebody you need to break up with right now, you might need to go through some of these steps. He says, tell the truth, be honest, don't shift the blame, provide clarity and don't wait. If you need to deal with somebody that you're in a relationship with, it's inappropriate. Don't wait until you see them next weekend, or don't wait until you can do it face to face. Deal with it now. Um, be loving and seek peace. If you've wronged them, seek forgiveness. You know, apologize for your part. Like Romans 12, 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And you need to apologize because you've put another person in a position they shouldn't be in. You've tried to fill a hole that your spouse needs to fill with a fraudulent person. And so you need to own the mistakes you've made and then turn from that sin and turn towards Christ. And just as everybody has said today, all of the testimonies we shared and Deanne shared it, that when you're walking with the Lord, you're not feeling as much temptation because you're filling your mind with the proper things. Yeah, another person um, that Lori was talking about and in this situation is a counterfeit. Right. It is a counterfeit from God's best. And that's what you have to realize. That's why you have to break it off. And, and sooner it's better. It's never, as long as you procrastinate and linger, 
the enemy is telling you it's okay, you yeah. know, it's, and, and trying to reason that it's okay. And it's not right. And you need to guard your heart in this season right now. You're, you're in the middle of, um, a, a rebuilding time. This is when the foundation, if you imagine a house being built, you're rebuilding your life right now to be prepared for when the furniture moves in and that furniture will call your spouse because you're getting your foundation straight. You're guarding your heart. You're not going to come into restoration damaged and with this baggage that you have to work through. So it is possible. I hope that you listen today and see that it is possible to be pure while you're standing for marriage restoration and that God can use this season um, to bring you closer to him, but also for you to be a blessing in other people's lives. Like Deanne and others shared that they had better friendships with people outside. And right now, this isolation that we're in, it's time to get out of the isolation and to get back into your churches, to get back into your small groups, to get back with the people who you've given permission in your life to call out sin and to not continue to be isolated where you're living this double life by yourself, you know, hold up in your house. And remember your in-laws. I, I think of my mother and father-in-law. I was so blessed that they literally lived a block away and their back door and their kitchen window looked at my house. So I could not easily. Have, she wasn't getting away with anything. <laughs> I could not have a stranger come in and, go, and come and go without my mother and father-in-law seeing me. And uh, even if it was just a, a male friend, which I should not bring over my house anyway, from my, with the example of my children, I was blessed with that extra, um, like a layer, of a layer of God's protection right. that I, that gave me it easier to do it. But also remember that you are also such a powerful example to so many people, as we talked about, but to your family, your in-laws, and other people that um, may think your marriage is dead, but they will say, wow, she's so faithful, or he's so faithful, yeah. living such a Christian life. And I think that's what we need to do, is we may, may not believe in marriage restoration, but if you live married, and then God does your miracle, um, either uh, a short stand or a longer stand, you're going to get, God gets the glory and honor for what you have done. Right. There was a man who was at our house when we were kids and my parents were divorced. He had come over with some of the church people because they were doing work at our house that Saturday. And so the church people were there doing work. And my mom had left with one of the women to run over to the store to get some things and while she was gone, the phone rang and one of the churchmen just picked up the phone trying to be helpful. And it was my dad on the other line. And he was very unhappy to hear the voice of another man at his house. And he had no idea what was going on and was furious. Now he's living in sin, living in his life, you know, and by his lifestyle saying, go do what you want, Charlene, I don't care. But when he heard another man at his home, he was livid and he figured it out and everything got straightened out and he understood they were people from the church there trying to do work. 
But just that interaction, even with a prodigal who's like doing what Fabian was doing and saying, listen, I'm never coming back, you know, move on with your life. He um, felt a comfort in knowing that that you were not pursuing another man. Like he was, he was happy knowing that despite what he was doing and and the, you know, turmoil he was in that you were praying and waiting for him. And so when he heard that other man, he thought she, she's given up on me. She's done. Oh, that was a huge, huge day. Uh, First to find out who was the man. And, and then the funny part of the story, but for then I could see, that he had jealousy and that he really did care. And yeah. even though we don't ever see that from the words they say and their actions, God can do different things right. to show us never to give up. Deanne, do you want to say anything else in closing? Yes. Um, what I found is that I had to learn the act of repentance because the enemy loves to bring that guilt and shame and condemnation on us. So I just, I learned to live a daily life of repentance. Um, Just, you know, waking up, greeting the Lord, you know, I repent Lord of any and all sin, any disobedience, anything dishonoring to you and asking him to forgive me, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, wash me clean and white as snow with the precious blood of Jesus Um, That way I knew that nothing was going to hold me hostage and nothing was going to separate me from God. I needed the presence of God. I know in his presence is fullness of joy and that joy of the Lord is my strength. And just learning to live that, that life of repentance and, you know, returning to the Lord every morning, you know, his tender mercies are, are new every morning. His compassion fails not, not, and his grace is all sufficient. So just receiving those things that he promises us uh, on a daily basis. And also, um, I think, Laura, you had mentioned uh, cutting and severing those soul ties that we have with any people any places, any things that we know are ungodly soul ties that try to creep back in. Um, I do that with most that I pray with on the phone, you know, severing and cutting those soul ties that are going to try to, you know, hold you, just keep their grip on you. Um, We just have to cut those off. You know, the ungodly relationships, the connections, the, um, the, the lust, the desire for whatever it may be, just severing those things. And lastly, it's just, the length of the stand. I had a uh, one of our precious standers the other day say, you know, all these years, you know, I, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting. I'm not a waiter. I'm a doer. And I'm thinking, okay, you're a doer, but God wants you to be a waiter and a rester. <laughs> um, and I said, well, you need to rest in the Lord and wait on the Lord. And the quicker you're going to get your victory, you know, is is by you submitting, as Charlene said, submitting and surrendering and uh, just staying in agreement and honoring the Lord in all that we do. And lastly, there was a testimony of uh, another stander who said, my daughter just turned 19. And out of the blue, she said, Mom, I am so thankful that you did not get involved with another man. You never dated anyone. You never brought them into the house. You know, I guess the father went on to marry someone else. And she just, she told her mother how much she respected her and was so grateful. And the mother was crying to me on the phone. She said, I didn't even know that she really realized. I said, see, I said, the same thing happened to me when my kids got older. Like, mom, we're so glad that you didn't marry somebody else, that you didn't have somebody else 
that you stayed, you know, you were here for us and you serve the Lord. We don't realize how our life truly is a, a living witness before others. Absolutely. Well, Dan, as we finish up, would you like to uh, just close us in prayer and pray for those who are in the middle of that waiting season and, and trying to be pure in the midst of waiting for a spouse? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to discuss this topic of purity, Father God, of, of keeping ourselves uh, consecrated unto you while we're waiting on the restoration of our marriage and for you to bring our spouses home. Father, we, we thank you that this is going to help many, many that listen and Lord, help no one uh, get, get condemned or feel guilty or shameful. Lord, help them just receive the gentle conviction of Holy Spirit, if necessary, that they can just say, Lord, forgive me if I've been thinking wrong thoughts or having wrong desires. You're such a good, good father. You're so gracious that you just want us to come and confess to you and you wash us and we are clean and pure every single day. We can be clean and pure before you, Lord God. We pray that you will pour out your prayer presence, your love, your spirit on every precious stander around this world, Father God, who, who does not have their spouse with them at this time. We thank you that you are our spouse, that you can comfort us, love us, satisfy us, fulfill us, Father, as long as we stay connected. You are the vine and we are the branches. And we just thank you, Lord, that as we stay in your word, as we abide in you, as we uh, seek you first, make you our first love and desire, Father God, desire to honor you, desire to obey you, and desire to be used as a witness, Lord. You want us to be a pure vessel, a translucent, pure vessel and witness to everyone you bring across our path our immediate families and, and everyone that we come in contact with. So thank you, Father, for meeting each and every precious one right where they are. Lord, renew, refresh, revive their hope. Lord, their faith, their trust in you, that as they pray, you hear that you are always moving and working. You never sleep or slumber. Father, even though they don't see it, and even though there's, there's no glimpse of any repentance or change on the other side with their spouse, Lord, um, in a minute, Charlene's favorite word, suddenly, that suddenly can happen, Father God. That's what happened with my spouse and the other woman. You, you, you broke them up suddenly of something that happened. And that's when you turn my husband's heart back toward me. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for reconciliation, for restoration. We thank you that your timing, your thoughts, your ways, Father, is so far above ours. Help everyone believing for restoration of their marriage to not look at the clock or the calendar, as you told me, but just to fix their eyes on you, Lord God. And it's a daily journey, one day at a time. You, you are all sufficient, everything we need. You give us fresh manna every day. So thank you, Father. We love you. We bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us today, Deanne. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. I hope that that message was a blessing to you. And I pray that you will bookmark this and save it on your podcast app so that you can go back and listen to it again when you're struggling with feelings of desiring um, physical contact with somebody else while you're standing. I wanted to also let you know that if you're looking for a resource so that you can pass on this message of purity to people in your life, that might be your children, that might be your young adult children, it might be nieces or nephews or even friends. I wanted to tell you about Jonathan Pakluda's book, 
which is called Outdated, Finding Love That Lasts When Dating Has Changed. And this is probably the single best resource that I've read in many years on the topic of dating, what the intention of dating should be so that we go into God-honoring marriages and how we divorce-proof our marriages through the process of dating. So I've given this book to so many college children that I know, my own children, other college kids at our church, and I know there's people in your life that can benefit from this because if you're like me, you want to see divorce eradicated. And so if we can back that up a little bit and start doing that with people when they're in the process of dating and choosing a mate, I think we can see much more successful marriages. So we enjoyed you listening today, and I hope that this was a blessing. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to visit the website of Rejoice Marriage Ministries at www.rejoiceministries.org. Thanks for joining us today as we proclaim that God heals hurting marriages. If you are like me, you probably like to have as many things in your life automated as possible. Nowadays, we can automate so many things from telling our vacuum when to clean the house while we're at work to automating the oven to turn on to cook our dinner. Well, one of the things that people have enjoyed is our family challenge. It is an automated donation that you can make every month to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. When you sign up for the family challenge, you can pick your predetermined donation amount and on the first or 15th day of each month, depending on the date that you choose, until you tell us to stop, you will make a monthly contribution to Rejoice Marriage Ministries without ever having to think about it. You can visit www.rejoiceministries.org and click on donate to find out more about the monthly family challenge.